not because they're bad people with specious motives, but because they come from another place and have another point of view. During Lee's tenure as social secretary for the Bushes, 2005 to 2007, and Jeremy's for the Obamas, 2011 to 2015, we planned events, of course, but we also managed expectations, handled last-minute crises, diffused awkward moments, placated unhappy guests and co-workers, and took orders from our bosses, and sometimes even from people who were not our bosses. We dealt on a daily basis with an extraordinary array of personalities in a highly pressurized environment. In short, we did what a lot of working people do. The difference was our office address, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. The White House is the storied home of our nation's presidents and the seat of the executive branch of the American government. It is also a very real place, a white-columned, neoclassical mansion that is at once an office, a home, and a space for social gatherings, clandestine conversations, and meetings of global consequence. The tectonic plates of American politics rub up against one another every day there. Following the direction set by the president and first lady, the job of the social secretary, the official job title is special assistant to the president and social secretary, is to maintain the civility, grace, and style of the White House's traditions so that the real business of governing a democracy can happen. Our job is to treat people well. In this book, we share the lessons that made us better at our jobs and, at the same time, happier in our own lives. At the White House, we became avid observers, constantly reading the mood of a room on the lookout for anything that seemed off-kilter. It could be minor and easy to fix, like not enough chairs set up in the East Room before a performance. Or it could be something serious, like a foreign president's interpreter pushing the State Department interpreter out of her chair to prevent the president from getting his own verbatim translations of a critical conversation. We were like old-fashioned beat cops. Nothing was too small or too big to escape our attention. While we were watching, we were learning, keenly aware of the behaviors that made everything go smoothly and those that led to bad feelings, complications, and disaster. So much of success, however you define it, hangs on how we treat others from all walks of life. We saw examples of this each day. If a senior staff member wanted to be included in a White House reception, the one who called us personally and asked about it politely received a very different response from the one who had her third assistant inform us that she would be attending. Insisting on your own importance rarely works. Everyone is important, and everyone deserves to be treated well. We learned these lessons best from the presidents and first ladies we served. They were unfailingly kind to all of their guests, including those who were their political opponents. In fact, they sometimes worked harder to make their disapproving guests feel welcome than they did their friends because they were seeking common ground. There were countless times when we watched our principals try a series of conversational gambits in search of a safe topic with which to engage a non-supporter. From talking sports to recalling a favorite film, they applied themselves until they found the magic subject that led to a relaxed, comfortable conversation. But it wasn't only guests whom they approached with consideration. 
Understanding that their words and actions carried unique emphasis and power, our bosses treated their entire staff, whether it was a member of the cabinet, an advisor, or a housekeeper from the residence, with the utmost respect. They also treated each other well, with bonds that were easy and warm. Their marriages were clearly built on friendship, love, mutual esteem, and shared life goals. We came to know what to expect from them because their reactions were reasonable and dependable. The Bushes and the Obamas are more similar than you might think. Even when their political opponents were harshly unfair, they took the high road because they understood that each president sets a tone for the nation and that no matter what challenges they faced, they stood a better chance of surmounting them with steadiness, restraint, and decency. Their abiding respect for the dignity of others, not only as a principle but on a practical day-to-day basis, gave them a certain moral authority and made them presidential in the